Murphy, host of Out There, here on Valley Free Radio. Tune in for stories from the streets and paths of Northampton and beyond, Fridays from 4 to 5 p.m. Get out if you can, but if you can't get out, tune in. We don't care if we live a lot of things. We don't care if we live a bit late. Gonna make a scene for me and you on my rocking bicycle. And, yep, it is Friday, September 29th, 2023. Says the calendar. You're tuned in to Out There. I'm live in the studio on this rainy, rainy day. It rained all day today. I left at 6 o'clock this morning and it was raining. And at 6 6.01, 7.01, 8.01, 9.10, you get the idea. It was still raining when I came in here at 4 o'clock. I thought it was going to stop at some point. I thought my bike was going to get swallowed by the waters. But it didn't. Anyway... Uh, if I'm going to complain about the weather, I will say that it's very challenging to have dry clothes when you're out in the rain for eight or nine hours straight and dry papers and dry phone and dry thumb drives and dry anything. But hey, all in all, it's an easy life. So today on Out There, I have, I guess I got to have another story of the bike path bench area. And because that's what I've been talking about the last few, few Fridays. And I have a clip interview with Howard Moore from the walking school bus. Also, Brecton Drugas, who's a, a crossing guard to Bridge Street School. I joined the walking school bus yesterday morning. And, and also, I have an interview with Eli Damon a friend and and a fellow cyclist and Eli and I were at the bike lab last Saturday on a rainy Saturday when all my housemates had COVID and I wasn't going to be in the basement enclosed with other people even though I tested negative and have been negative all week I guess I don't know honestly I haven't even tested again since then I just stay outside all day even if it's pouring rain so, okay, my story. Uh, so, this is not a happy story. <laughs> so, this story is, when was it, Tuesday or Wednesday? I was also trying to go meet the walking school bus. Well, actually, there's a couple walking school buses that um, Howard had told me about. One leaves the yum- lumber yard on Pleasant Street at 740, and one leaves Sheldon Field off of Bridge Street at 7.30, I believe. And those both clusters walk to, to Bridge Street School. So I was trying to actually, I was trying to do this walk with them both Monday, I think, no, both Tuesday and Wednesday. But I couldn't quite seem to get out the door, get the ducks and chickens out the door and everything in time. So Wednesday, I really thought I was going to make it. And I started out my driveway and then I mean, not, not my driveway, the, the, my bikeway, the bikeway from our backyard to the bike path, the rail trail, the multi-use path. Wednesday, I started out, no, Tuesday, I started out, and then, no, I don't know, okay, Wednesday, it doesn't matter what day it was, it does not matter what day it was. My second attempt, I started to go out, and there was a, a, a neighbor boy on his way to JFK, he had stopped with his bike by the bike repair stand and he looked at me and I looked at him. I think he was pumping up his tires or something. 
no, his he needed some lube on his chain. That's what it was. And I said, I looked at his bike and I said, hey, my friend, um, my friend has a bike that looks just like that. And then I looked at the boy and I was like, oh, you look exactly like her. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. That My friend is your mom. Oh, right. I know you. I've been in your apartment. Oh, yeah. And he's like, yeah, duh. <laughs> anyway, I had some lube. So he had a non-squeaky ride the rest of his way to JFK. And then I thought, okay, now I'm still trying to get to the walking school bus. And so I went out the backyard again. And then I didn't get, I looked down the path before I even got, before I even turned left towards Northampton, down the path to cross Straw Ave, I heard a big commotion down there. And there were two men, probably in their 30s, both with bikes. One of them was actually maybe riding the bike. We'll call him Jose. And the other guy, Mike, on Mike's bike, he, well, Jose rode on ahead and crossed Straw Ave. And Mike was just yelling and yelling at Jose, cussing him out, calling him all these racial slurs and Mike threw his bike down and the rail trail and it was like he was kicking it and stomping it practically and Jose stopped to wait for him Jose had gone on across Straw Ave and then I guess Mike picked up his bike and stomped on up and got to where Jose was and threw his bike down again and yelled at Jose or something and Mike stomped off and Jose picked up his bike and was trying to put the chain back on and I went over there and I was like uh, do you need help getting the chain back on? And Jose was like, no, nah, I got it, I got it. And I was like, you sure? I can, you know, how about I just hold the bike? And Jose was like, okay. M meanwhile, Mike was still cussing and yelling and calling Jose names. And and this was 7.40 in the morning. And then Mike came back and yelled at me with lots of cuss words in there for touching his bike. And then Mike threw a punch at Jose and they both guys threw the bikes down and were going to brawl. A woman coming by in a car at the crosswalk stopped and yelled at them to knock it off. And I was like, hey, hey, no one, no one needs to get hurt here. At one point, like I was like maybe three feet away from Mike. And Mike was, he smelled, there was alcohol on his breath. And I don't know what else he was on. But I was ready to duck and dodge at any moment. And I didn't know if I was instigating if my presence I, would, I was like okay I'm trying to be immediate a calming influence here but I don't know if I'm calming things or inflaming things just trying to sort of be there and be witness and uh, I don't know then Mike stomped off Mike came back he got his bike he's the whole time he's like calling Jose names and cussing him out and yelling at him and and Jose says oh that's my friend he's just he's just not he's just tired right now and Mike says, what the F did you say about me? Don't talk about me behind my back. And he comes yelling. He throws a rock at Jose and tries to kick him. And then they go at it again. Another neighbor yells, knock it off, guys. And by that point, I'm probably like 10 feet, 15 feet away by now. Now I'm kind of like, I don't know, you guys. Just go kill yourselves, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I didn't like really, really think that. But that was sort of my, my gut reaction. Then they eventually made their way up the rail trail towards Chestnut Street. And I thought, well, maybe I'll try to catch the walking school bus. And I thought, I kind of need to debrief. That was intense. And I thought, I hope Jose's all right. 
And so then I rode up the real trail looking for him, but they were both gone by then. And it was just your average morning runners and walkers and dog walkers. And like five minutes later, it was as if nothing had ever happened. And those guys were nowhere to be found. People were just going about their normal routine. And, uh, and I don't know. What was that? Makes me think about like when there's any kind of trauma that lingers in someone's head or memory and other people are like just clueless about it. Anyway, it reminded me of a flyer that we have on our, our bulletin board called Do's and Don'ts for Bystander Intervention. Um, if you witness public instances of violence or harassment or any other form of interpersonal violence, use these tips on how to intervene while considering the safety of everyone involved. And this is put out by the American Friends Service Committee. Do make your presence as a witness known. If possible, make eye contact with the person being harassed and ask them if they want support. Move yourself near the person being harassed if possible and you feel you can risk doing so. Create distance or barrier between the person being harassed and the attacker. If it's safe to do so and the person being harassed consents, film or record the incident. So yeah, do make your presence known. Do take cues from the individual being harassed. Is the person engaging with a harasser or not? You can make suggestions. Would you like to walk with me over here? Move to another train car, for example? Would you like for him to leave you alone and then follow their lead? Notice if the person being harassed is, re is resisting in their own way and honor that. Especially white folks, don't police the tone of the person being harassed. Follow up with the individual being harassed after the incident is over. See if they need anything else. Do keep both of you safe. Assess your surroundings. Are there others nearby you can pull in to support? Working in a team is a good idea, if it's possible. Can you and the person being harassed move to a safer space or place? Um, don'ts. So, do's. do's make, do make your presence known. Do take cues from the individual being harassed. And do try to keep you both safe. Don't, don't call the police for many communities experience, experiencing harassment, um, including Arab, Muslim communities, black people, queer and trans folks, and immigrants. The police can cause a greater danger for the person being harassed. Don't escalate the situation. The goal is to get the person being harassed to safety, not to incite further violence from the attacker. Don't do nothing. Silence is dangerous. It communicates approval and leaves the victim high and dry. If you find yourself too nervous or afraid to speak out, move closer to the person being harassed to communicate your support with your body. That's from the American Friends Service Committee. Do's and don'ts for bystander intervention. It reminds me of once when I I was in Pulaski Park and um frenemy a frenemy of mine this was the infamous rock was who was kind of kind of who was obsessed with me he was 
harassing me. I think I was emptying downtown trash barrels. I may have been working. Because I remember, like, I pulled a bag. This was back before they redesigned Pulaski Park. And there was, like, the circle with a tree in the middle. And there were three trash cans in the circle. So you sort of went went around the tree pulling cans. Because I remember I pulled a bag and I had it and I had it over my shoulder. And Rock came up to me and, like, sort of was like, shh pushed me he said his 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 line was one of the one of his lines was why can't i love you and he pushed that garbage bag i had on my shoulder and nearly put me off balance and this was in pulaski park in a public park with people around and like when you're being harassed and there's people around that don't do anything that is such a horrible feeling of of aloneness when no one stands up or <laughs> looks looks out for you but I remember I I kept pulling the bag I made it around the circle and he was rock was just like stomping behind me or something and then there was this man that came over that was waiting for the bus he comes over he's a tall blonde haired young man and he walks right up to rock and says hey Leave the girl alone, mate. No, I say, leave the lady alone, mate, he says with this Australian accent. And Rock looks up and says, don't call me, mate, and threaten, or I'll punch you. And the guy said, go ahead, punch me. <laughs> and Rock is just like, he was just, he was just, you know, this guy had called his bluff. And uh, meanwhile, I got away pulling the rest of the barrels down the street. And, uh, it meant so much to me that that guy stood up for me. Yeah. Anyway, um, you're listening to Out There on Valley Free Radio. I'm your host, Ruthie. And so then the next day I did, what, yesterday, Thursday? I did make it to meet the walking school bus. Howard Moore. <laughs> so it's Thursday, September 28th, 2023. I'm here with... Brecton, school Hi. crossing Arthur Bridge Street School, and also a pedal person. Nice to see you this morning, Brecton. It's good to see you, Ruthie. And <laughs> a different work outfit, crossing guard. <laughs> yes, I try and um, not mix my pedal people and crossing guard outfits, but sometimes it has to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and also Howard Moore. Howard Moore, what, what would you say your title is here? Um, my title here is I'm a walking school bus driver at Bridge Street School. And what's a walking school bus? Well, what we do is we walk with some kids to school. We have two routes. One comes from Sheldon Field, and the other comes from the Lumberyard over on Pleasant Street. And um, right now, we're about, I think it's half a dozen kids on each route, although in previous years we've had maybe, I think we maxed out around like 18 kids on one route. Wow. So it was a large you know, gaggle of kids coming down the sidewalk. Um, and that's what we do. It's... Uh, a service to some parents because that's how they that way they don't have to walk their kids all the way to school because they don't have cars um, or they have other kids and so they you know have to manage the whole household um, and it's great for the kids they have a good walk and they socialize with other kids and you know they see the world and they you know get to school in a pretty good frame of mind usually what's the age range of the kids it's elementary school so kindergarten through fifth yeah, so I walked with y'all today. The, there was um, four, 
well, three little children and one fifth grader. Yeah. And it was really cool. I think when I caught up to you, they were. I heard the wind chimes on William Street. They had touched the wind chimes. I was like, oh, there they are, because I was looking for you. And then there was the cat that they played with, and then there was like the little library food pantry thing, and bushes and people's yards to hide behind. <laughs> right. Yeah, they take a lot of shortcuts. Um, <laughs> that are slightly longer than the sidewalk. Um, yeah, there's, there's just a lot of that. It's just basically sort of like why it's great for kids to walk to school in the first place. And we're kind of, I think, reverse engineering a thing that, you know, thanks to all those milk cartons and Stranger Danger and all that stuff, you know, sort of fell out of style. And uh, we're trying to sort of model the idea that, no, actually, you can walk to school and it's pretty good. Um, what, so. op what options do kids have to get to Ridge Street School, elementary school? Well, if you live, if you live uh, a mile and a half, more than a mile and a half away, you can get a bus. Other than that, it's walking, riding a bicycle, and driving. And again, the, the culture had, has gotten, if you, all you need to do is be here before and after school, and you can see all the cars lined up on Bridge Street, you know, Route 9. Uh, you can see how many people drive their cars and drive their kids to school. We're trying to promote the idea that, that going on foot is actually a really viable option. Uh, so do you need more drivers? drivers? I don't even know if I like the term. Walker drivers? Guides? Well, what do you call we, it? We call ourselves either drivers or the adults on the bus. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, it's always good to have some more. We have a little group of about 10 or a dozen, something like that. Um, but, you know, we're, we're as unreliable as the next person, you know, in terms of we get sick or we uh, have other commitments and things. And so really, it's always good to expand the group. Um, it's a really easy group to be a part of because you, you're really just on the mailing list and you can get scheduled in. We have a, we have one of, one of us <laughs> is uh, Olivia Marshall who um, does, makes up a schedule. And so she'll sort of plug you in if you have a requested day or something that you, that'll be work for you, she'll plug you in. And um, Olivia is herself a great story. She went, she went to Bridgetree School. She's an actual alum of the school. And uh, she lives up on Marshall Street, which is even better. <laughs> and she's marshalling these kids. And she's marshalling the, <laughs> yes, and marshalling all the adults as well. So oh, yeah. it's, <laughs> right. it's, it's a pretty, pretty good pun. Uh, <laughs> um, so that's really what you do is, you know, you could sign up and then you'd be on the list. And then you're, what you're signing up for is something that's actually... Um, you know, it's like there's very few things you can sign up to do that aren't some kind of, you know, trade-off in terms of, you know, like, well, you know, it has these costs, but it's worth it, that kind of thing. This is, there's no costs. It's like you're going for a pleasant walk in the morning and, you know, so you're not sacrificing anything and yet at the same time you're providing a good for other people. and. Um, so it's a pretty, uh, like I said, it's a pretty fun, sort of easy thing to do. It's not just an easy thing, but actually beneficial to you and to the people who you're doing it with. With, with as near as I can tell, no downside for anybody, right? Like there's nobody, who, no neighbors who say, oh man, I wish those people wouldn't walk on the sidewalk, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right, there's none of that. Unlike a lot of things where there's some downside, right? Like, 
like you're sacrificing some time or some effort or some money or some, you know, giving up some other opportunity. You're really just not, you know, it's all just positive and it's, it's really lovely. So if someone wants to get involved or get on the list or volunteer, should they just like show up at Bridge Street School and meet people once they get there and get to know people or what? You know, that'd be one way. The other way is just to contact any one of us at any point and then, you know, trade contact information and, you know. Do you want, can you give on. out anyone's contact information? I can give out <laughs> mine, yeah. So I'm Howard Moore and I have a phone number, 413-237-4880. And a person could text me and, uh, you know, I would hook you up from there. 237-4880? 413-237-4880. Great. Did you, how did you get to school when you were little? I walked to school. I was one of those kids. I walked to school in kindergarten, and uh, it was in Kansas, and it was about a mile. And we uh, crossed a road a lot like this one without a uh, crossing guard. And so I'm a little bit alarmed at my mother for, and my father for, for thinking that this was okay. But... Uh, <laughs> Kids were tougher back. I mean, yeah, we must have been. No, well, they did do a thing. Every morning, the police officer rolled a, uh, a stop sign out into the middle of the street, and then rolled it back out of the street after that period of time. So after, so it was out there for an hour in the morning. Um, I don't remember. I don't think it was there when I, because in kindergarten it's a half day. So I, I walked to school with some other kids in the neighborhood, but I was the only kindergartner in the group, and so I walked home in the middle of the day and I don't think I don't think the stop sign got rolled out for the middle of the day crossing well I mean there probably weren't nearly as many cars there was it was like this it was a busy street it was 9th street in Lawrence Kansas which if you're familiar with Lawrence Kansas which I'm sure a lot of people listening to this are uh, I've been in Lawrence Kansas yes but you're familiar with 9th street it's a really busy (laughs) it's a really busy street (laughs) I've never been Well, when you go, (laughs) check out 9th Street at Illinois, because Illinois Street was the street I was crossing on. (laughs) Thanks. How'd you get to school back then when you were younger? I rode the bus. I was on the outskirts of town, and I once walked to my friend's house, which wasn't even at... It was close to my school, but it would be another like half hour walk from my friend's house. But it took an hour to walk to his house when I was little. <laughs> when I was, you know, I was at least 12 or something. Yeah. Um, I thought about riding my bike, but I actually didn't learn to ride my bike until high school. I taught myself how to ride my bike. Maybe middle school. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. You're listening to Out There on Valley Fee Radio. That was... Howard Moore, uh, one of the walking school bus drivers, and Brecton Drugas. Did I say that right, Brecton? Sorry if I butchered your last name. Who's a pedal person and also a, uh, yeah, well he's a, a co-worker, a pedal person of mine. And also a crossing guard at Bridge Street School. Um, so what else do I have? You're listening to Out There on Valley Free Radio. Uh, Next, I'm going to have some clips from Eli Damon, I think.
you Janelle Monet for that music while I went and quick through my next clip together well a couple clips in the future my next clip here on out there is Eli Damon Saturday September 23rd 2023 I'm here at the bike lab and it's raining and hopefully no one will come because my housemates all have COVID and I may have been exposed and I don't want to be in the basement enclosed even though i'm wearing a mask sorry for the muffledness it's a great time for someone else to talk who's not wearing a mask hence we have eli damon eli is on east hampton's disability commission and um made a report before this past week's wednesday city council about eli tell us more <laughs> so yeah so i am the vice chair of the east hampton commission on disability for those who don't know every ta every town in Massachusetts is required by law to have a commission on disability that in principle advises the 
city government on disability issues. Um, although in practice, they don't aren't always given the opportunity to do that. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so I, I am the vice chair of the one in East Hampton because that's where I live. And in 2021, we conducted a survey that we called the Disability Experience Survey of, and it was a survey of disabled people who are members of the East Hampton community. So by that we mean, you know, residents, uh, worker, people who work in East Hampton, people who visit East Hampton, etc. Um, and this past Wednesday, the September 20th, I made a report to the East Hampton City Council on the results of that survey. It took, yeah, unfortunately, it did take two years to figure out how to, you know, how to report on it. But we finally, we finally got it done. Um, and the survey, the survey sent a really clear message on one one thing, which was that people are really frustrated with the transportation network. Um, so there, there were a number of questions where they were really open-ended. People could have talked about anything and they chose to talk about some aspect of the transportation network, uh, or like a third of them did, um, right? So when, a, when you, so, and uh, also, you know, um, and they, they mentioned all different kind of general aspects of, of it, right? Not just, not just like, you know, I don't like this one little thing at this, this particular intersection or something. Um, and so it was a, it was a really kind of overwhelming message that, that we're, we're, we're doing, we're just not the way we're doing things with transportation, like just isn't working, right? We need, we need new ideas, right? We need a new kind of policy. Can you, can you give some examples of challenges within the transportation system yeah so right so a lot of people uh talked about a lot of different kind of problems with sidewalks and crosswalks so right there are places where there are, aren't any crosswalks right or aren't any sidewalks or aren't any crosswalks or the sidewalks are too narrow or there are no curb cuts or the sidewalks are uh in really bad condition or in the winter they're you know, there's snow and ice on them. That's not, that's not cleared off. Um, right. Or, you know, uh, motorists don't yield when, when they're trying to cross the street, um, or all, all kinds of, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. People had a lot to say about sidewalks and crosswalks. Yeah. So, well, it benefits everyone who, who walks, but in particular, right. People who, who are, you know, either, you know, in a, using a wheelchair as a, I guess, as a substitute for walking or someone who's using crutches or a walker or someone maybe who's just generally just not steady on, not super steady on their feet, even though they, they are able to walk without any aids. Um, yeah. So like people on bicycles, like kids on bicycles or like say you have a kid on a bike with a trailer attached. Oh. Or like say you maybe you have a kid, you're like riding a bike with a kid and a trailer on the back and you're trying to go to a store 
And so you get off the street and you're trying to get up on the sidewalk to park or something like that. It's really helpful to have a curb cut or people on scooters or skates or... Yeah, I guess it, it could include that, that stuff too. Even for people who are kind of don't have any kind of mobility uh, problems, right? It makes it hard for people to walk to walk together, right? I mean, it's nice when you're with someone to walk side by side with them and talk and right it I feel it seems like that's that's something that people should be able to do also uh -huh. in terms of curb cuts or sidewalk width or oh, yeah in terms of the the condition of the sidewalk and and the width yeah yeah I think that the whole idea of like carving up our space into different territories is like really near kind of the root of the problem. If it was up to me, we'd really have just one more flexible space that everyone could use for all different kinds of purposes. Yeah. Basically the way streets traditionally functioned. Right. Yeah. So, cause basically, basically now the streets are all given over to automobile traffic and everyone else is excluded. Yeah. So the majority of the space, the majority of the money and the priority go to this privileged class of, of users, the, the people who, who use motor vehicles. And then, then everyone else has to kind of fight for, for what's left over. And there's always this, well, we can't, we can't help you because then that would make things less convenient for motorists. And I feel like if we're going to, if we're going to kind of carve things up like that, we should do it equitably. But I also feel like carving things up is not the most effective way to create a space that, that works for, for everyone. So Eli, when you talk about motorists as a privileged class of users, but a lot of poor people drive because they can't afford to live in a place where they don't have to drive because it costs too much. Like, can you talk more about how you see motorists as a privileged class of users? Yeah, well, just like all kinds of privilege, like having one privilege doesn't mean you, you aren't disadvantaged in other ways. Like, I'm a white man, so I have white privilege and male privilege, and I'm, but I'm also disabled, so I don't have whatever, the, you know, non-disabled privilege because I'm, I'm blind. And so, like, being poor represents a lack of privilege, but also being able to drive is, is a privilege that that offsets that somewhat you can also be poor and not able to drive thanks so could you say more about the report and other things besides transportation access to transportation that came up there were a lot of little things N nothing that was like really like a solid result but people had a lot of uh complaints about the city website it's hard to make much of them because the city changed its website in the middle of while we were conducting the survey. So it's hard to tell which, which website they were talking about. The, the survey, we started as a base for the survey, uh, one that was conducted in Cambridge, England, because we, you know, we've never put a survey together. We didn't know where to start. So we started with another survey. That, so there was a series of questions on how people just kind of people's like, feelings right and kind of general experience and a lot of people said they felt lonely and isolated 
I think that was that was significant. What about you personally? What are some of the things that you find challenging as a blind person in East Hampton? As a blind person, I don't I don't think there's a lot that comes up for me as a blind person because my vision is quite good for being blind. I do have some things that come up, you know, regarding like my mental health, neurodivergence kinds of kind of kinds of stuff, but it's really hard for me to kind of be specific about about that. Yeah. And in terms of transportation challenges, you're able to bicycle. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So I was on I was on your show before, right? <laughs> Talking about I I teach the cycling savvy program, which is a training program where you can learn how to handle yourself in traffic so you can kind of go anywhere you want on a bike and you know be confident and not have to kind of tie yourself up into knots the way I used to before I learned all those techniques um, and so so using cycling savvy techniques I'm able to kind of go anywhere I want to on a bike although it because of the way the the streets are are designed right it it, it is like more difficult and less pleasant than it than it could be um, and also it's Lately, it's been really hard for me to kind of to get myself to go out and do things, which uh, I don't know that that has anything to do with with riding a bike, but but it's it has prevented me from going where I want to go in in another way. Uh, so, in terms of of safe cycling, for you, like, is it fair to say like that a strategy is to uh, like claim more of the space that you're entitled to on the street, so you just have more. It, it's there's more reaction times like for things coming from the sides or in all directions you're more visible and and you have more time to see other things is that fair to say um yeah it's basically you like most of the time yeah you want to claim the full lane width worth of space right so that people don't try to squeeze past you and you have you have wide sight lines and basically you're you're in the place where people are looking and you're in the place that the roads were designed for you, for people. The roads make sense from a certain, from the perspective of a motorist. So if you put yourself where a motorist is going to be, the road is going to be more predictable to you. And I mean, a lot of people are, are afraid to do that. And they think, you know, someone's going to hit me because I'm going slow or whatever, but it really, it really doesn't work that way. You, you really, have a lot more control and influence over how people how people treat you on the road than than you might think. I mean, I I do this all the time, and I have I've taken video and I've observed my own video. I've observed other people's video, and I I can see how motorists react to me in when I do different things. And it really is not as like what people fear is really not what happens. Because most bike car crashes. I think, or often bike car crashes, most, I don't know statistically, um, are like at intersections or, or pullouts when there's turns being made and the closer a cyclist is to the curb, the harder it is for a motorist to see them. Um, yeah, well, so first of all, most bike crashes don't involve a, a, a motor vehicle. Um, you know, and most of the most of the hazards that right, it's just the cyclists 
maybe hit something and you know and it knocks them over right or they loose gravel or right or, they hit a curb they curb. right they hit a, a pole right they slide uh, yeah on some sand or what ice or whatever pothole exactly hit pothole right that's the majority of of bike crashes and most of the things that would cause someone to to fall like that are near the near the edge right or or on the sidewalk now when it comes to crashes involving a car and a bike most of those uh happen when when the 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 cyclist and the motorist cross paths right so right so at an intersection or or um or or a driveway or something like that and if you're near the edge, you're in a place where you're, you're hard to, you know, people aren't, aren't looking and there's a lot of like visual clutter and, and, you know, obstructions. Right. But if you're, if you are in the normal kind of flow of traffic, then yeah, then, then that really protects you from a lot of those crossing conflicts. Um, and then an, another kind of crash is, is like, you know, uh, when, right, basically, a, like, when a motorist, like, kind of buzz passes you, like, passes you really close at a high speed and, like, knocks you over, or, like, through lack of attention or something, drifts over. Hi, you're listening to Out There. It's an interview with Eli Damon, and apparently I, um, that was the end of that interview. No, it's not quite the end of that interview. There's more of that interview, but... You know I love music, and every time I hear something hot, it makes me want to move. It makes me want to have fun, but it's something about this joint right here. This joint right here, it makes me want to, let it go. Can't let this thing called love get away from you. Feel free right now, go do what you want to do. Can't let
Mary J. Blige. Thanks for listening to Out There on Valley Free Radio. Stay tuned for Democracy Now! coming up at 5 o'clock. Out There airs every Friday from 4 to 5 p.m. Oh, tomorrow is Saturday. Saturday, September 30th. There will be Bike Lab tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to Kentucky for the month of October. But there will be bike labs when I'm gone, but not every Saturday, every other Saturday. So that will be the 14th and the 28th of October, I think. And Adele Eli, who I was just playing, Paige, maybe Ben Winter, maybe Salem Mazawi will pop through. Um, But I'll be there tomorrow. You want to learn to fix your bike? How to keep it tuned up so it's there for you when you need it? Or maybe you know already, but you just need to borrow a bike-specific tool that you don't have. Well, come to the Bike Lab. Almost every Saturday since 2004. 11.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. Here in Northampton at 12 Northern Avenue. Come with your bike or your questions. And your willing attitude. (laughs) Spare part scavenger hunt every weekend. Vengan al Bike Lab de Northampton, el taller de bicicleta. Aprende a arreglar tu bicicleta y a divertirte. All repairs guaranteed to the end of the driveway. Details are online at pedalpeople.coop. That's the Saturday Bike Lab at 12 Northern Avenue. They say freedom isn't free, but at the Bike Lab it is. Let's see, other announcements. Uh, used to, I would announce Friday evening pickup Ultimate in Haydenville, but it is now Sundays at 2, the Friday 6 p.m. game. You know, that darkness is coming sooner and sooner and sooner, so 6 p.m. isn't enough time to really play a game. So now there's weekly Sunday 2 p.m. pickup Ultimate at, I don't know what the name of the park is. It's on Fairfield in Haydenville. Fairfield? I think that's the name of the street. You can take the rail trail all the way there if you can scuttle with your bike up the ravine just past where the rail trail switches back to go down to River Road. Instead, you go past the barricade and scuttle up the ravine. Someone's tied a rope to the edge. And uh, I don't know, it's probably 20 yards of pretty steep up. And then you're at the end of Fairfield Ave. And then you can just walk or bike right down to the park. Also, there's often pickup ultimate at Veterans Field in Northampton. Saturdays at 3, I think. And Tuesdays at 5. Not always. Depends if there's enough people to play. What else? Aha. Yes. I wanted to read this. This came... This came through my inbox, also an article in the Gazette about Amherst and the plan for reparations. Uh, Let's see, this is dated September 26, 2023. Fulfilling its obligation as a town committee established by the town council and town manager, the African Heritage Reparation Assembly of Amherst, today released its final report and recommendations for reparative justice to redress racialized harms waged against the town's African-American residents, historically and in the present era. Over the course of two years, the Assembly studied the history of structural racism in Amherst, 
solicited input through listening sessions and a community survey run in collaboration with the UMass Donahue Institute. And the Commission, Commission Assembly examined current racial disparities and the ongoing effects of racism on black residents. The report recommends an array of remedies. Skipping down, let's see. The, what it, uh, the report highlights, well, in the 20th century, deed restrictions were used in Amherst to exclude African-American people from owning property, such as a 1950 deed mandating that a property on Blue Hills Road shall not be sold or rented to any colored person or persons. That was 1950. That seems pretty recent. Uh, oh, well, there's so many things current that go on, so why should that be surprising to me in any way? Uh, this says that the report reveals that black drivers in Amherst speed less and are involved in fewer car accidents than their white peers, but are stopped and searched disproportionately and are 1.5 times more likely to be arrested following a stop. In appendices, the report includes additional documentation of racism in education, healthcare, transportation, and other areas. The path of local reparations invites a community to genuinely acknowledge and confront the present-day manifestations of its past. It asks us to look closely at our individual beliefs and collective structures that allow harm to persist, persist so that we may transform and heal. This is hard, necessary work in which we can all play a role and from which we can all benefit, said Michelle Miller, the AHRA chair. Um, and that article, the piece, goes on. Um, according to the article in the report, in the Gazette, the headline says, the report calls for a BIPOC youth center, housing help, and entrepreneurship program. Uh, and Northampton, it doesn't say this in the article, but I know that in Northampton, the Reparations Commission is working as we speak. I'm not sure when their report recommendations or what will will come out of that. Um, I guess we'll, s we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Um, but it also, want, I want to announce again the Northampton Division of Community Care, which is now open 8.30 to 4.30, I believe, at One Roundhouse Plaza, where next to the Peter Pan station. So that's for a few, uh, if there's a conflict or something going on where you can't resolve it yourself and with the people there, and if someone's in distress and needs greater help than you can give, and you don't want to call the police but want uh, unarmed help to come, feel free to call the Division of Community Care. I don't know the number off the top of my head yet, but I wish I did. Hopefully I'll get there. So, yeah, thanks for listening to Out There Today. And uh, Democracy Now! comes up at 5. You can hear archived editions of Out There at weatherbeard.com slash out there. Yeah.
bitch. Man black, wolf on my window down, let them see who in it. Crack a big smile. Go fit me and dig a 50-11 chair and they like chick how. I charge my crystals in a full moon. You can send them missiles, I'ma send my goons. Baby sister rapping, him a yacht. Trust me, they gon' need an army. Rubber bullets bouncing all me. Made a picket sign up your picket fence. Take it as a warning. Waste beats from your Uber. For honey, Billy, that's a monster. Straw line to the barbecue. Put us any damn way, we gon' make it look cool. Pandemic fly on the runway, and my hair's not children running through the house, and my heart all black. Tom, 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 Tom,